Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you've found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Welcome everybody to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. So excited for this second installment in about a three-part series around exiting your business. We talked timelines and process on the last one. I'm bringing DeWalker behind the microphone with me on this episode and the next episode to talk about positioning your business and on your exit strategy. And next time we'll talk about market timing. Hopefully you got a lot out of the last episode. If you haven't heard it yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. This one is gonna be all about exit strategy and current market conditions. Get your pad and pen ready for another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Welcome everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. And as I teased in the introduction, I'm joined by my partner today, DeWalker Sinha. DeWalker, you want to say hello to everybody? Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun discussion as we start to enter the summer months right with a looming debt deal in Congress above our heads. But as I teased in, in the introduction, the last episode of the podcast, this is kind of like a three-part series or maybe even a four-part series for that matter. But I talked about the process in terms of timelines of, of selling a business and the way to think through it from a reverse engineering standpoint. If you haven't heard that episode, please go back and listen to it. This one's going to kind of build off of that. So Walker, give me a second here and let's just level set. So we talked process on the last one, uh, and I gave you things to consider, not just around the time frame of the actual sales process, but the lead up to it and the aftermath from it. And really looking at this holistically from an end-to-end continuum in terms of the, the timeline that would be reasonable to expect over that that process uh, and to try to reverse engineer it to where you are today and the outcomes that you want, obviously. So we've got a looming debt deal in Congress. Market conditions are a little squirrely. We talked banking uh, collapse a, a, a couple of months ago. Um, obviously, interest rates are, are high. Um, we want to talk about both interest rates and market conditions right now. There's a lot of other sort of uh, things below the surface here uh, to dig into. And all of this is going to play a role in the outcome you desire to create. So I thought it was really important to bring DeWalker behind the mic uh, because he has a lot of insights, not just around banking, but also he leads our sell side advisory uh, side of the business and can talk contextually around some of the deals that we have in market right now and some that we've closed uh, in the last probably uh, month to three months or so. So DeWalker, Let's start this discussion off with just uh, your general overview, I would say, around current market conditions. Let's talk interest rates and kind of what you're seeing with some of our clients and the deals we have in market. I'll let you take it away from there. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, market conditions wise, let's talk about interest rates uh, for capital markets. The treasury indexes, SOFRs are at pretty much an all time high uh, in the last 10 years. So we're, we're at more on the uh, higher end of the spectrum. That's uh, causing uh, lending markets for capital markets, which capital markets, if you guys go back to our podcast, is where we talk about middle market lending to sponsor finance and sponsor finance is uh, private debt and or uh, banks that lend to private equity groups. So private equity groups also have to borrow capital, as we talked about, to be able to deploy in acquisitions. So pricing conditions being as high as they are, the risk teams of a lot of the banks and non-bank lenders are uh, doing a lot of stress testing. They're changing their underwriting guidelines uh, to adapt to what maybe the, the, the market conditions are experiencing right now. And so leverage ratios in some as aspects seem to be coming down. Uh, the institutions may be looking at different things such as fixed charge coverage ratio differently. Uh, and we talked about that on our, pre on our banking podcast and how that happens towards our middle market lending for our clients. And some aspects are similar on the uh, sponsor finance side also. So interest rates across the spectrum are causing a just a little more conservative uh, underwriting in the market. That's not a statement that is, is uh, across the spectrum, but overall it's happening. Um, we're still finding um, unique buyers and unique investors in the space that are willing to be creative and have a creative strategy to deploying capital. Um, overall, uh, the pool of transactions you know, going to market is less in 2023 than it was in 2021 and 22. Um, so you have you know, the supply and demand issue on a private equity or buyer's lens from a DSO lens, um, they, they are somewhat handcuffed from a, a private equity lens, a lending lens of how much leverage it can get and how that impacts their cash flow. On a supply demand end, those buyers are looking at and saying, okay, we have less demand supply in the market and we still have the same number of buyers in the space, if not more. Um, the demand is the same or more. So you have this push and pull of where the valuation needs to be. And we're seeing that in 2023. Some deals um, are going at a plateau to lower valuation. But you know, most of our clients, as, as we talked about in previous podcasts, tend to be in a growth phase. So if they're in a growth phase, they're getting good same store uh, improvement on top line revenue, are seeing good same store improvement, uh, EBITDA bottom line. So valuations overall are holding pretty steady in the market um, uh, on what we're seeing for a lot of our clients. And also there's deal structures uh, where we're able to be creative and how we look at a sub DSO or sub MSO or MSO or DSO holding company equity and how that's structured for, for, for both parties, right? To make the deal equitable based on our clients' needs to, to uh, get to an outcome. So market conditions, you know, overall, Fairly good, a little bit of uncertainty around interest rates, but you know we'll kind of go into that more into our podcast um, in this session as we kind of look at twelve months out. Okay, so good level set on uh, the market we all know and love, and the one that we operate in on a daily basis. Let's take one step further out and maybe go uh, a little bit more macro because this does impact our world. Um, uh, directly and indirectly for that matter. Um, and, and let's talk about 
kind of the uh, the federal government, the Federal Reserve, some of their reactions, uh, market reactions, and then some of the the ancillary effect around you know maybe spending, unemployment, and some contextual pieces like that. Sure. So I think uh, so. Right now, what's uh, out there is the student loan pause would end at the end of August, which I think, according to the administration, that was their initial goal anyway. So I think having that into a ideally a bipartisan agreement um, kind of you know puts things to hopefully a finish line where we kind of see student loans to uh, start again going into end of Q3, Q4. We should see that in in full force. Um, so that getting that back into the space is going to cause uh, cash flow compression for consumers across the U.S. up and down the you know middle class, upper middle class uh, income spectrum. Um, that cash flow compression or disposable income that's going to now go towards student loans versus what they might have used for spending is going to impact consumer spending. And if, if it impacts consumer spending. That may or may not impact how um, uh, unemployment's uh, layoffs continue to happen in Q3, Q4. So I think you know we're starting to, we're still seeing some level of layoffs um, happening as of you know over the first five months of the year. I think we're going to continue to see that going into Q3, Q4. Um, although the data um, is not reflecting that uh, uh, overall, that unemployment is still very low. Uh, you know, you know, based on the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, as as we're looking at that, you know, we're going to see unemployment continue to happen. Um, and at some point, you know, as the market conditions kind of take the turn on the other side, you know, a, the cost of capital is going to come down. Um, and that might be six months out. That might be twelve months out. But ref, you know, apparently, ref, reflecting back on your timeline to selling a business process, uh, episode thirty six. I think if people are looking at it and saying, okay, you know, I want to have a transaction in Q1 of 2024 to Q2 of 2024, depending on the size of deal you have. And we, we do talk about six months, nine months, to 12 months, depending on the size of the deal. I think our audience members need to start thinking about where do they want to be next year? Where do they think the market conditions will be? How do they think the market conditions will evolve? And again, everything's speculative, right? We don't have a crystal ball. Um, and if we were to be a year or two years ago, we would not have seen the market conditions we're experiencing today. Uh, a lot of unknowns out there. That said, you know, um, if the the student loan issue impacts cash flow, consumer spending impacts um, employment rates to uh, decrease and unemployment uh, coincidentally to go up, I think the you know that would be where the Federal Reserve was trying to be to show the um, the CPI come down, down to about two to three percent, and if they start to see that trend of coming down to two to three percent, because a lot of the data they're getting is trailing indicators, then we're going to see it become flat to go down, uh, going into 2024. That will again create the process of lower cost of capital, which will impact valuation again. So I think it's important to kind of think about where do you want to be in 2024, and we. We've done that in all our podcasts, Perrin, where we've, you know, talked about planning for your business six to twelve months out, not reacting to the market conditions you're experiencing then. Yeah, I think uh, wise guidance there, um, because, you know, the typically the the 
business owners that we represent in the sell side market are, you know, uh, they're very valuable businesses. Um, and, and I think our blended uh, uh, or weighted average multiple transaction value wise bears that out of in excess of nine and a half times. So these are these are highly sought after, very valuable businesses, yet still having a lot of upside. So it's it can be a little bit of a moving target. Let's let's talk a little bit about maybe what you're seeing in terms of default rate uh, increases and and some risk around that, um, be it at the top end of the DSO food chain or or just in general from a banking lens. Can you kind of uh, dissect some of that for the audience? Yeah. So, uh, and I think uh, with the pricing cost of capital issues, um, you know what is what is what is happening is you know you're going to obviously see if the cost of capital has gone up by 400 basis points uh, in the last 12 now by 13 14 months, that's providing compression for cash flows for bigger DSOs. We've talked about in an earlier podcast that some DSOs have made a strategic decision to start looking at businesses of a million to two million EBITDA minimum, uh, just because of they, they need to have some you know buffer zone there. Um, the other aspects to kind of think from a a consumer end is that you know de, you know if student loan rates go up, uh, uh, payments start to come in, pricing conditions of, um, of are are high for all the other products, disposable income is low. You're probably going to see default rate increasing, right? In uh, across the markets for banks. And if that happens, then lending across the banks will be impacted for, you know, simple as a car loan, mortgage loan, uh, any kind of unsecured capital that's available out there, because the banks will start to either react to them. And, and, and by the way, they're already reacting to it. I think the issue is to the severity they'll take a position on. So that aspect will impact default rates. And if we kind of go back to the last 25, 30 years, and we see... Um, Unemployment go up, um, typically unemployment going up, unless there's other measures, like in COVID, we had a relief available. Um, you see default rates going up. We saw that in 2008, we saw that in 2001, we saw that in 94, 95. So I think you, you go back 25 years, 30 years in that aspect, you see these issues tend to repeat themselves. So I think default rates going up, uh, going into Q3, Q4, probably a Q4 indicator, um, that's going to cause the changes to hopefully happen in Q1. And, and here's the best part. Even if all these uh, aspects are, are uh, don't come to fruition, which I hope they're not, because then unemployment increasing is not a good thing. Um, consumer spending go, going down is not a good thing. Um, and I think a slower progression of a, uh, lowering the cost of capital is probably a good healthy aspect uh, uh, for the market conditions. You know, People that are engaging and going to process now or in three months or so and saying, hey, I want to be in market in Q1 to Q2 next year, they will have the choice to say, okay, based on what I see in the market conditions, based on where my business is today, um, do I have the right partner? Is that valuation there? Is the structure there? Am I checking all the boxes that I want, um, you know, taking into consider consideration market conditions? But in some aspects, not because the people that are listening to our podcast are preparing their business for a process independent of the market conditions to evaluate if that market if their valuation meets their individual needs. And I think that's that'd be the 
the the theme for for this podcast is uh, is to make sure you're proactively position your business for a a a transactional event. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a a, a fluid uh, scenario, and there's so many variables to this. You know, we talk about rates and the you know the the impact of rising rates on valuation multiples that's that's the one that's in front of everybody's face and the one that they they tend to to try to focus on most but the you know you touched on the the aspect around credit policy and and tightenings of some of those windows uh from a lender perspective and and that that can have just as dramatic an impact. I mean, we're we're talking about. I've I've, I've spoken with a, a couple of people who lead private equity backed DSOs, and they're they're talking about, you know, leverage ratios decreasing a full point to two points, um, and and that, you know, when you run a business that has twenty million dollars in EBITDA, if you lose one and a half turns on leverage, that's thirty million dollars of of available debt capital that you could at one point access that goes up in smoke. You know, so that curtails a lot of activity and it makes you really, uh, from an acquirer standpoint, it makes you sharpen your pencil around the uh, what you're willing to pay and certainly the assets that you're looking for. And if it goes back to the the clients that we work with that run very healthy businesses that are going to be highly coveted, that have a lot of security from a buyer standpoint, um, because they have proven track records of performance and typically larger volume of EBITDA, that that tends to de-risk the buy side a little bit a, as well. So those those businesses continue to be positioned pretty well, I would say, from a supply and demand standpoint. Um, let's, that's a sidebar comment at least. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, you know, six to 12 month kind of potential impact here on pricing conditions as, as we look in our crystal ball. And, you know, you mentioned people wanting to have a, a transaction and, and potentially Q1 of next year, uh, or Q1 or Q2. So we're, we're six to 12 months out. Um, let's, let's maybe prognosticate a little bit, uh, and, and talk about how the current conditions um, are are maybe going to shape up around that six to twelve month horizon, and just dial it in for a little bit of the people who are contemplating possibly going to market right now. Yeah. So oh, I, again, I think uh, if there was a crystal ball, you know, one would ideally see in twenty twenty four the reduction in or some kind of regression in pricing conditions um, of let's say approximately 50 basis points in a year. Uh, so it's not going to be a significant, you know, 300, 400 basis points change in the next 12 months, at least from, from our lens. And uh, again, there's no, it's pure speculation, but, you know, let's say it drops down by 50 basis points. You're going to see that be an indicator of marketing conditions opening up again, um, you know, credit underwriting by institutions being uh, more deal friendly versus, one would argue in 2023, maybe, maybe they're not. But again, we talk about supply and demand issues that are still kind of balancing that aspect of it out. So going into 2024, if the pricing conditions have improved on a cost of capital issue, um, that should kind of recreate the process of this you know, marathon starting again, as we saw in 2021 and 2020, of uh, valuations being uh, starting to plateau, you know, going from a plateau and starting to rise again. So anybody that's thinking about being in the market in Q1, Q2 of next year, I would say, okay, how are you positioning going to market now to be in that position for Q1, Q2 as the market turns? And you know, 
be able to leverage those deal structure issues um, to 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 maximize the valuation, but also maximize the issues of employment, non-competes, uh, where the equity lives, if it's a jo- joint venture, uh, practice level, or holding company. So all those aspects would be uh, would be taken into consideration. So uh, going down 12 months, interest rates should go down a little bit. And I would encourage people thinking about next year to start the process. No, that's uh, that's heady advice. And I, I think, so on our next podcast, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about market timing, um, you know, relative to not not giving investment guidance from our end by any stretch or financial planning advice, but just some things to think about as it relates to diversification of assets and portfolio and stuff like that. But, you know, these are these are sometimes fun podcasts to, to talk about because none of us have a crystal ball and and we're. I don't want to say we're making it up as we go along, but we're trying to read the tea leaves and, and prognosticate. Um, and there are a lot of variables at play. That being said, DeWalker, you get into these conversations a lot more than I do, but I have a healthy share of them myself as it relates to people contemplating going to market. One of the things we've started doing a little bit more recently is is actually hosting clients for full day exit strategy sessions and you know being able to dig a little bit deeper into the business that they've built some some things around their uh, personal financial portfolio debt leverage age of the kids in college or whatever um you know and just trying to look at this from a, a holistic standpoint not just from a time frame but also from you know what what the person's expectations are what they want life after liquidity to look like and all that kind of good stuff do you want to maybe just take a, a brief second as we wrap up today's episode and and talk about what those exit planning sessions uh, could look like if a if a prospective client's contemplating going to market and they want to come and spend a day or uh, the better part of the day with you and and whiteboard a bunch of things and maybe project out a couple of things as it relates to what the process might look like Sure. So I, I think um, um, you know some of our audience members they might be evaluating, and we talked about finding the right partner and to go to a process when you're ready for the right partner. So you know when um, you're doing a go-to-market day with us, well, the things we're going into is doing a deep dive into what moves you, I, and I and I think that's a very important question for us to be able to answer uh, throughout the day. Because you know we'll have clients come in that are considering going to market, and the answer that they give us at the beginning of the day, and the information we review with them throughout the day, and the answer they walk out with at the end of the day, in most cases are different. But I think what we're able to do throughout the day is to really understand what why they started the business, what that journey has been for them, and be able to work with that person to understand what would move them. And when I say what moves you, I'm not saying, you know, if you, if you had a business worth 10 million, you said, hey, if I got $11 million, that would move me. Um, we're not trying to approach it from that lens of the economic sense. Um, as If you engage us for a process, you're going to get a, a fairly robust economic outcome. I think the issue that we're trying to figure out that day is what moves you as a, as a, as a business owner, as you know, for your family, personal, for your partnership, for your team members, um, that's important for us to understand. Um, also, help define what do you want that journey to be. And there's you know you know multiple journeys that you can go through when you go through a process. And we do a deep dive in each of those processes together to understand 
which process would be conducive to what you're looking for and the kind of partner you want. So that day is, is, is very educational for both sides. One, it allows the people attending with us to understand, are they ready to go to market? And you know, just like our discovery day apparent for uh, our, our uh, you know, building a DSO side of it or building an MSO side of it, you know, probably 30 to 40% of people coming through that day you know, realize they're not ready to go to market today. They're not in the right time mentally, financially to, to go through that process. And that's perfectly okay because I think what we want people going through that day, day is have a conclusive outcome of what they want, a definitive outcome of what they want. And so uh, that day allows people to understand high level their business, um, very detailed level their goals. And you know, at the end of the day, we want them to understand uh, what moves them, what drives them, what is the outcome they're looking for. And uh, I will say this again, economics is not what we're trying to answer. We're trying to answer everything else. I think we'll answer economics for a lot of our attendees to our discovery day uh, for a go-to-market is by first two, three hours. I mean, that's going to be a passing conversation. But I think it's anybody that's considering to go into market in the next 12 months, six months, or 24 months, I would encourage that because I think that will uh, give you the answers you're looking for for the next step in your journey. Very well said. And and the reason, as if we needed to state it, but I think we kind of do, the reason that we started, I guess, building these days uh, for, I say prospective sell-side clients, is because the likelihood is you're only going to do this type of a transaction, this type of an event once in your life. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how people rush into the process uh, and have delusions of grandeur and and how many of them uh, we hear about are, are disillusioned by the process or don't have the the outcome that that they thought, you know, maybe their, maybe their expectations weren't realistic going into it. Maybe their expectations were fed by a sell side advisor that didn't know what they were doing or all they wanted to do was get the, uh, the client signed up. Um, but you know, I think if you built a valuable business, you kind of owe it to yourself to pump the brakes and do a little bit of research before you go headlong into it. Um, and, and make sure that the process is the right, process, the time frame's the right time frame, and that your out expectations coming out of it are totally realistic. So it's been uh it's been good for for a number of our clients and I know that we'll continue to provide that service. So DeWalker, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. I think this was a good high level overview around just positioning and, and exit strategy. And we're going to do a another podcast, the, the following one around market timing and kind of talking about diversification and wealth management and some other considerations there. Appreciate you joining me on the show today, my friend. Uh, thanks for having and look forward to the next one. You bet. You bet. And thank you all for being in the audience as well. Certainly appreciate all the accolades we get um, on behalf of the podcast and subject matter we share. Stick around. I'll be back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this show today. And once again, thanks to my partner, DeWalker Sina. He is a wealth of information. I always value his insights and what he has to share. We don't get him on the, the show nearly enough. 
um, due to the fact that ours is a growing business much like yours, and he has pulled in a lot of different directions, but certainly um, uh, gives us a lot of things to think about every time he is on the show. As I wrap up uh, today's episode, I'm not sure when this one is going to be dropping, um, but for those who are going to be in San Antonio this week attending the Dental Success Institute's 10th Annual Summit with Dr. Mark Costas. I will be speaking there. I can't remember what day I'm going to be speaking on, but hopefully I'll get to see a good number of you um, uh, both before and after that presentation. Uh, and one of the things that Mark and I will be announcing from the stage in San Antonio, so if you're listening to this before you get to San Antonio, just act surprised, please. We're going to be announcing the second annual Scaling from Clinician to CEO Summit, and that is going to be October 11th through 13th in Scottsdale, Arizona. We hosted that uh, together with uh, Mark and the team at DSI last fall when we were in Denver, and it was very well received. This is a conference that uh, focuses on those entrepreneurs who want to build a, a, a business that's multiple locations and not just dependent upon their clinical skills for survival. You don't have to build a pure platform. You don't have to build a world beater business. But if you want to build something that's three to five to eight locations uh, and you are at one to two locations right now, this is a, a conference in Scottsdale that'll be oriented uh, directly at the journey that you will be on. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, registration uh, will be open along with the room block um, and we expect that conference to sell out. We're going to cap it at probably 150 people uh, due to capacity constraints. So if you're listening to this, um, we'll try to link to it in the show notes uh, for registration. But also if we see you in um, uh, San Antonio, there'll be an opportunity to register there. So look forward to uh, hopefully having you join us in Scottsdale in October. It's going to be a lot of fun. The resort uh, where we're going to be is the Phoenician, and it is absolutely beautiful. So a nice little getaway at a wonderful time of, uh, of the fall in, in Arizona prior to the winter hitting uh, the rest of us. Uh, and this will be an equally good conference as the one that we hosted last year, judging from the um, uh, remarks and the, the ratings that we got from those who did attend. So, again, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. If you've got questions about any of this, feel free to uh, drop me an email directly at parent at polarishealthcarepartners.com. Thanks for sharing the show for all of you who do share it with your colleagues. Um, that is the way we build our audience. And we are really, really grateful for you sharing the show and also the ratings that you give us. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.